Jax and I are doing something, Jax is my wife, and for the very first time we have the privilege of ministering in the same church simultaneously at two different services, and uh, I never thought that would ever be our story and our allotment in life, you know. I think sometimes we have no idea what God has in store for us, but as we go on this journey, and so she's with uh, the city congregation and uh, ministering up there, and I'm just so grateful for this church. Honestly, it is one of my favorite places in all the world. I have had the incredible privilege of traveling to many places in the world and being in many churches. And I don't say it, that's not like my opening statement in every church I go to. This is, this is a beautiful community. Every time we come here, there are more and more people that open their arms to us, who uh, welcome us in, who just appreciate Jackson me for being Jackson me. Not necessarily. I, I get that God gives us gifts and, uh, and different gifts play different parts in the body. And today mine is serving in this capacity to help build and encourage life changes church. But actually, I'm also just Richard, a guy that loves Jesus. And uh, to be able to be appreciated for just being Richard, I, I love that song. I, we don't sing that an anthem. I really want to pull that into our story. But just, we will never be loved more than, we never be loved more than what we are now. We're enough, and He's enough, and I think that is absolutely remarkable, and we feel like that here. I don't feel under any pressure to, uh, to pull out the best message. Uh, I just trust that as I stand here, as the Spirit of God has ministered to me, so I'm able to minister to you and encourage you in your story, and we love the story. It is a, it's a home away from home for us, and I want to tell you this. Uh, you, you've also got to know that Amongst church leaders, it's not often that there are eldership teams who know one another and love one another. And I know every elder in this church, not just by name, but just over years having had the privilege of developing relationship. And these guys know the elders of Anthem Church. And there is partnership in the gospel. This is not just to lead pastors that know one another and exchange a pulpit. There's something different. When the kingdom of God is at work and there is intimacy and relationship, then new life is able to be birthed and formed. And so in that moment, out of that place, if you can trust me because you trust Mark and you trust these elders, then I really do believe, as Mark said, that we can trust for the Spirit of God to do something in each of our lives and over us as life changes today. 1941. Oh, there we go. Just got to get a little bit more light on me. Get my complexion a bit right. Am I, am I okay this side? This side? All right? We're good to go. 1941. Second World War's on. And there is this unbelievably demonic activity taking place where people, because of their race, are being exterminated. And there are multiple death camps that get set up, and Auschwitz is one of them. And Auschwitz was regarded, I think because of its size, and therefore the numbers, was kind of regarded as the death camp of all death camps. 
And what happened in 1941, 6th of July, is a, a man escaped from Auschwitz. And there was a custom that when somebody escaped, 10 Jews would be executed. And so the commandant walks up with his soldiers and he calls out all the prisoners. And as they stand in their rows, they're not allowed to make a sound, they're not allowed to talk. It's silent. If I could even say it's deathly silent. And 10 names get called at random. Name one, name two, name three. The tenth name that's called out is a man by the name of Gajanovich. And as, he's, as his name gets called out, he bursts out weeping. That in and of itself would normally get one of the soldiers firing his weapon to kill him on the spot and another man to take his place. But it didn't happen that day. And as Gajanovich moved up into the line to join the fellow nine people that were going to lose their lives that day because of the escape of one man, there was a noise in the men behind. The dogs started to bark, the rifles were raised, and a short little man, like Mark's size, <laughs> walked to the front. Let's get back in the mood. <laughs> he walked to the front. And in a bizarre set of circumstances, the soldiers just looked at the commandant. The commandant looked at this man. And this man, with absolute calmness, spoke to the soldier that had stepped in his path. And he says, I want to talk to the commandant. The soldier looks back. The commandant allows that to happen and the man walks forward and his name was Maximilian Colby and he said sir I want to offer my life for this man I have no wife I have no kids I'm an old man I'm of no use to you he understood the Nazi thinking that they wanted men and they would abuse them and use them for work and so he understood their mentality. And in the only recorded swap out of all of World War II, the commandant said, permission accepted. Gajanovich was not allowed to say anything. And all he could do with tears in his eyes was acknowledge this man, Maximilian Colby, and say, I have no idea who you are. I have no idea why you would do that. How could I ever thank you? And as Gajanovich stepped back into all the prisoners, and as Maximilian Colby stood up, those 10 men were worked off to the chambers, and the way they were executed was they were denied food and water, and they were allowed to starve. Maximilian Colby was a Franciscan priest. He did not die of starvation. The Nazis eventually got tired of waiting for him to die, and so they injected him. Because six weeks later, he was still praising God.
Dejanovic survived the camp four years. He made it out. And every year on the 14th of August, which was the date that Maximilian Kolbe died, he goes back to Auschwitz to say thank you to the man that exchanged his life for Kolbe's. And in Kolbe's garden, there is a sign, and he's written on the sign, in honor of the man who exchanged his life for mine. There is another father who also shed tears over his children. And there was another man that stepped forward who offered to take the place that was due each of us. And in this radical exchange, he gave his life for our own so that we may go on to live free free from what was to be our destination which was death as we've had this amazing privilege today of seeing two couples step forward into an eldership context I want to give us something of a framework of the beauty of this in the context of Jesus Christ in the context of our Father in heaven in the context of the church and the beauty of who she is and in the context of why elders are a gift from God and why we can rejoice today because of what God has done and the gifts that he deposits amongst our midst I want to give us some kind of framework that we can take hold of and we can continue on is that all right and uh, I want to know just by a quick show of hands who watched online the elders ordination this morning Okay, just two of you. That's great, because I feel like I'm going to preach out of the same text. I'll have different stories for you. You've already seen that. I don't want to lose the weight of that story, because I think it is so profound in the context of what Jesus has done for us. But I am going to get a little bit more lighthearted as we go along. Is that all right? So uh, Isaiah chapter 62. What's happened is, is God wants to continue to tell His people what His plans are for them, how He loves them, what His commitment is to them. And so He used guys in what would, would be called the First Testament or the Old Testament, we might know. It's like these ancient writings. And He would use guys called prophets uh, who would be able to just tell of God's love and His commitment. And Isaiah chapter 62 is just one chapter of Isaiah's prophecies to the people of God. And uh, we'll be able to see that actually we fit into this because it's a, it's a foretelling. And so I know this language can sometimes for, uh, get a little heavy and it's not necessarily the language we use, but there's a, a prophetic sense, there's a prophetic foretelling, there's, a, there's a, a day to come that we get to live in partly now, but is still going to be fulfilled. And it's why we can have confidence. And it's why we can sing, He is enough. It's why we can sing, you are Jireh, you are our provider, because it's not just providing rands and cents for food on our table, but there's provision for salvation. That was the original context of, you are Jehovah Jireh, you have provided the sacrifice for us. 
And so Isaiah 62 says this, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet. Can you picture Maximilian Kolbe in an environment deathly quiet, not allowed to make a noise, and yet he steps forward and says, I will not be quiet, exchange my life for this man's. I will not be quiet, I will not be silent until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. Can you understand, friends, that God's desire for the church of Jesus Christ for you as an individual is that righteousness would be the thing that marks you and that salvation would be a burning torch within you. And God is not going to keep quiet. He's going to keep sending Ephesians 4 gifts. He's going to keep sending prophets. He's going to keep sending elders. He's going to keep sending words of discernment. He's going to keep shouting over us until we will hear that His love and His commitment towards us will stand. And as a, He has already offered an exchange for our lives if only we would give up our own lives in order to accept the exchange. This is what our God is. This is what He has done. I'm reminded uh, just of a story when I, when I picture that. I'm not going to keep quiet. I'm not going to be silent. So there's Maximilian Colby, a priest in 1941. I, I've got seven kids. And my youngest one, we've got two girls and then five boys. And uh, our dining room table is full of life. And you can exchange the word life for chaos and noise and exuberance. And so my youngest boy, who is also physically the smallest boy, when he wants attention, you've got to know that he's got four older brothers who are physically strapping young men, and they like to dominate him. And so when he comes, he'll go, Mom, 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 Mom! And eventually Jax will be able to like, kick out of whatever conversation she's in to give attention to him. And this is the story. This is what God is saying. I'm not going to keep quiet. And so he is going, Wayne, 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 Wayne. Now that I've got your attention, can I tell you about my love and my commitment for you? And I want you to know that I stand here as just one part and Sunday after Sunday and life group after life group or connect group, whatever you call them, and moment after moment and all these stories, God is sending people and He is shouting your name. Jen, 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 Jen. I saw you were about to do something else and you suddenly... Uh, <laughs> the nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. I love this. I've got some mates in Durban who, uh, in their olden days, did some stuff that they really shouldn't have done. And by that I mean like illegal and they got caught and they have criminal records. And so whenever they try to take a step forward in life, whenever they try to, uh, to go for a job interview... It's like, whoa, sis, we don't even need to read the CV. That name goes before. You, you, we know who you are. We're not touching you. And that's the story of so many of our lives. 
is that our past, we just can't seem to get away from our past. Our, our name just keeps coming. And so every time we, we think over our past, it's that, that act that we did, that we've got shame, we've got guilt, we've got, we, we, we've got insecurities, we, we, we have in, uh, malformation around our identity. We've got all of these things and we just can't seem to clear that out. And what God is shouting at us, I'm not keeping quiet, I'm going to keep doing it until righteousness and salvation is yours, until the kings will see your glory and I'm going to give you a new name so that you can separate yourself from your past. Will you hear it today, church? Will you hear it that God's crying over you? He's shouting over you, not shouting angrily. He's shouting lovingly to say, will you hear me that I have exchanged my life for yours? There is an exchange that has taken place. All you have to do is just step back so that you're not in the execution squad or standing in that line. Will you hear me tonight, God would say, and I'm going to give you a new name. Number, verse 3, you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. This is so profound. In Revelation, uh, it says, I'm going to give you a crown of beauty instead of a crown of ashes. This is different. What, uh, what Isaiah is prophesying is saying, you are you shall be the crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. It's different to receiving a crown. You are the crown. We are the crown. What God is saying to us is life changes. Table view, 5 p.m. You are the crown of beauty of the Lord. You are the story that God is writing. Each one of you. Each one of you, whether you're sitting here tonight and you've not yet come to a decision to put your trust in Jesus, He is busy working a story out for you. To those that have been walking for years and years and years. And sometimes we need to just dust off a little bit of the dust on our gemstone which is sitting on the crown. Each of us, a gem and a jewel in the crown. Each of us. And the diadem, which is a, like a scepter, it's a sign of authority. And so what God does is we are a crown, we, we're the beauty, we're the crown of beauty of the Lord, and we carry the authority. And so the beauty of heaven and the authority of heaven is in our hands. It's in our hands. Which means we don't sit here on a Sunday night wondering, can we have victory? Can we beat what's going on? Can, can we ever get over the depression? Can we ever get over the insecurity? Can we ever? No, you can. You can because there's been an exchange that has taken place that's been offered. And as we receive that exchange, so we're able to take steps out of our prison cell. So we're able to take steps forward and the Spirit of God is able to come and minister and clean us up and make us holy. And God's not going to stop speaking until our righteousness becomes a glory for all the kings to see. That's our story. That's your story. A sign of authority. Verse 4. You shall no more be termed forsaken and you shall no more be termed desolate. I want, to, I want to speak to some of you here this evening. I want to speak to all of you, but I know that there's some of you that will be sitting here and you feel like your life has become desolate. You feel like you are forsaken. I want to tell you this evening that that's not true. It's not the truth. You are not forsaken. 
you are not desolate. In fact, there is one in heaven who just continues to love and his commitment. He has already done the exchange and he wants to say you can come out of that place. I feel like they're tonight there are some people here who have suffered at the hands of men physically abused and a part of you has died a piece of you feels desolate I, I want to speak to you I want to speak as tenderly as I can and I say I want to say there, there is the wickedness of men, but there is the salvation of God. And He's able to come and minister. He's able to come and tend. He's able to come and bind up and to heal. And you may not feel that right now. But if you would be willing to go on a journey, if you would be willing to trust God with the pain of what's taken place, if you would be willing to to go on a journey with the eldership couples. I want to tell you that there is an opportunity that six months from now, a year from now, three years from now, if I have the privilege of being able to come back here, of hearing a story of redemption, hearing a story of restoration, because this is what God says. You'll no more be termed forsaken. You'll be no more termed desolate. You shall be called my delight is in her you shall be called married your land married your delight is in her I want you to know friends that God delights over you he delights over you and I know for some of us men that feels like very flowery feminine language we better get our heads around that our God delights in us and he was and, and your land married, it's, it's this prophetic picture of our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, who's making a covenant commitment to us to marry us. We'll never be more loved than we are now. There is nothing that we can do that can separate us from the love of God. The scriptures teach us. He delights in you. For the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. And for as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. This is what God is doing. And he's, and he's talking to us and he's ministering and he's not keeping quiet and he's not being silent. And he keeps moving towards us. And he has already through his son Jesus and he continues to by his spirit keep moving towards us. And then it says in verse 7, uh, in verse 6, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night, and they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give Him no rest until He establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Which of you parents have ever said to your kids, just keep rashing me, just keep nagging me, about what you want just never stop just keep coming keep coming keep coming I mean it's insane 
And this is what he says. He says, just don't give me any rest. He says, give him no rest. Give me no rest until I establish Jerusalem, until I make you a praise of the earth. That is God's desire, is that the church would be the praise of the earth. Can you imagine the day when the kings and the poor say the church, the church is the glory of God. Can you imagine that day? Can you picture that day? That is what God is busy working itself out, what, what He's busy working in us. This is what Isaiah teaches us anyway. You shall never be silent. And so what these two couples uh, this morning made a commitment to do was to join the existing team. And this, this is not a position of privilege, friends. It's a position of responsibility. It's a position signing up for bloody knees because you're on your knees praying and for dirty hands because we're in the brokenness of people's lives and helping them know Jesus. That's what they signed up for, and they've made that commitment so that you can benefit. And that's why Mark says it's a gift that we can receive tonight. It's a gift. It's not so that we can go, oh, leaders, leaders, leaders. That is long gone as a myth of, <laughs> of leadership. It's the responsibility to carry you and pray for you. Verse 10. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up the highway, clear it of stones and lift up a signal over the peoples. And so what God is doing is, is kind of putting a framework for who, what is leadership supposed to do? What it's supposed to clear the stones so that when we walk, we're not standing on stones. I, I don't know if you've ever walked barefoot and stood on a stone. It is very unpleasant. And it makes me nearly unholy. And the responsibility of leadership and watchmen on the walls is to clear the stones so that we can have a clear path. To lead us into freedom, to lead us into joy, to lead us into, into those things. That's the responsibility of leadership. And so for anyone that desires leadership in this space, it's a, it's a good godly desire. But it's not so that you can get pats on back, it's so that you can stand on the stone and therefore make sure that it's out the way. And then lift up a signal over the people. It's to keep pointing to Jesus. It's keep pointing people to Jesus. I can't save you. I'm not a savior. Mark's not a savior. Jesus is savior. And we keep pointing you in that direction. Clear it of stones. Lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. His reward is with him, his recompense before him. And here's the most beautiful verse in Isaiah 62. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. You shall be called, sought out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that day when people seek you out because there's something different about you? There is a peace, there is a strength, there is an authority, there is a glory in you. And so people go, hey, I, I want what you've got. And that is both a personal story, but it's also the life changes story. It's the collective as you come together as the church. Would you, would you have that as the, 
as, as the picture to say, hey, Jesus made the noise. He was in the, in the background. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really mixing my pictures here. So Jesus was in the background, but he stepped forward. He made a noise. He took on the enemy. And he said, my life for this. Leave him alone. And that began a process and a story for us until righteousness and salvation was a burning flame until our names get rewritten and so we can separate ourselves from our shame and guilt and insecurities uh, uh, of the past. And we're able to, and there's watchmen that are watching over us and clearing stones and lifting up banners and we become a people that are sought out. Can you imagine the day that kings are seeking out the wisdom of the church? That's what God's busy doing. And we have the privilege of, that's the invite. That's the invite tonight for you. Would you join that story of being the righteous one, the redeemed one, and do, the one that's heading towards being sought out? Will you make life changes beautiful? Not for life changes brand, but for God's glory. Will you connect your lives and not just sit here on a Sunday and, and receive blessing. It's great to receive blessing, but it's also you can be a blessing. You can carry the Spirit of God. You are part of the crown of glory that is the Lord's. You carry within your hand the diadem, the authority of heaven. When your life has been given to Jesus, the Spirit of God is given as a guarantee, depositing uh, as a deposit, guaranteeing our future inheritance, our eternal life. And in that moment, there is an authority transaction that takes place. And the authority of heaven rests within us. It's why we're able to find healing from pain, real things that took place. It's why this is an amazing thing that's taking place in a couple of Saturdays' time, where we can mourn loss, because our mourning can become dancing. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? And as Jesus, as Jesus stepped forward and exchanged his life for ours, we who have received Jesus Christ, would we keep doing that for others? Would we, like Jesus, keep laying down our lives for the sake of serving a city. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in this incredible city of Cape Town that need the redeeming hand, the redeeming hand of Jesus Christ. They are standing day in and day out in front of the execution squad. They feel they live their lives not knowing when it is their final breath. dead inside and Jesus wants to come through his church and rescue to reach far to reach far would you reach far would you reach far would you make it your goal to reach far would you make it your goal to get as far into the city to get to as many people as possible you can act as Maximilian Colby you can stand in the gap and raise a signal. That's the story of invite. And so maybe you're here this evening and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said, actually, Jesus, you've offered your life as an exchange, but I haven't put my trust in you. I'm still standing in that line, even though you have already stood in that line. 
And tonight you would say, hey, Rich, I'm ready to make, I'm ready to receive what Jesus did. I'm, I'm ready to take on his life in exchange for mine. There is freedom on the other end of that, friends. You don't have to know everything. Goodness me, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I feel like I, there's so much more of him to know. But together we're going on this journey and there is healing and there is health and there is wholeness and there is freedom and there is salvation. And so if you are here this evening and you want to say, hey Rich, I'm, I'm ready to exchange. I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ. I'd love you just to raise your hands, just, just that I can catch your attention because I want to know how to pray and then I can point you in a direction to help you take another step. Anyone in the room? God, we want to thank you that you are speaking over us. You are not keeping silent. You are redeeming humanity. You are beautifying your bride. You are renaming individuals so that we may be the sought out ones, the crown of beauty of the Lord with the authority of heaven. We say yes tonight to that story. We say yes, we'll be a part of it. We say yes. In Jesus' name.